This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, and this is The Full Story. These days, with entire encyclopedias of information all at our fingertips or on our smartphones, it often seems like we don't really need to remember anything. But what if we could remember everything? I'm going to turn my video on, if I can. Freelance writer Gary Nunn... Hi. Hi, Gary. ...has been speaking to Christina Glavaki. How are you? Good. ...and a bunch of other people about their ability to remember. To try and find out whether having a really, really outstanding memory is a blessing or a curse, and whether it's a skill anyone can learn. Today, the power and pain of never forgetting... It's Thursday, the 31st of March. So, Gary, can you tell me who is Christina? So, Christina is 24 years old. She lives on the central coast of New South Wales and she has one of the most incredible memories I've ever seen. Okay, can you tell me, Christina, the coldest temperature ever recorded in Germany? Minus 45 degrees Celsius. It was in a sinkhole in Bavaria. Next one. Um, Can you tell me the hottest temperature recorded in Latvia? I think about 36 degrees. You're correct. 36.4 degrees. So Christina can remember the hottest and coldest temperature ever recorded in any city of the world. And she can remember the exact dates that those records were set on. And she can remember the coordinates of each of those cities in the world as well. She also has what are called calendar skills. So I can give Christina any dates Um, at all in history since she was about three years old and she can tell me instantly the exact day of the week that that fell on. So example, I could say. All right, the 2nd of December 2007. Sunday. And what about, I'm just going to go for another one since 2002. Uh, I'm going to go with my birthday. So the 19th of October 2014. That was, a, I think that was a Sunday. She also knows the latitude and longitude of different places around the world. Um, can you tell me, do you know La Paz or do you just know the country? I know La Paz is a very high altitude, like 3,560 metres above sea level and has a subpolar oceanic, subtropical highland climate. Okay, excellent. As she was answering these questions for you. I mean, what is your reaction? Every hair on my arm stood up. I remember just feeling goose pimples all down my spine because I'd never spoken to anyone that was able to do that before. Was there a sense that it might be wrong when you went to check those answers? There were a couple of times when she was slightly off by like one coordinate point Mm. or or she'd she'd sort of, um, she'd get the, the temperature one degree hotter or colder um so yeah it was she obviously was nearly there but not quite because we did quite a lot look one coordinate point off is still a lot better than I could do I'm wondering whether she can do this for anything for for any area of knowledge 
So Christina is on the autism spectrum and one of the characteristics of, of her, the autism that she has um, is having these intense interests and very specific and very niche. And these could be seen as eccentric for neurotypical people. But for someone like Christina, she gets a huge amount of enjoyment of finding out more areas others might, might not, finding out about all of these really specific niche things. Um, so, for example, petrol stations. Tell me, how long have you been into petrol stations for? Since I was in primary school. Since you were in primary school. And what is it that you love about petrol stations? Their brands, their colours, the way they look. I look up, look them up on Google Maps. You look them up on Google Maps? Yeah. All around Australia or just in your local area? Around the country. Tell me about your nearest one. There's a Shell station at Yamano and across from it is a Woolies. And tell me about the history of that. The Shell station has been there since forever. It was temporarily closed between March and June 2010 for refurbishment. It used to have two canopies, but now it only has one. The Shell, I mean, the Woolworths counties across the road, it opened on Tuesday 29 September 2009, before the Usabia Mowgold was closed down for a few years. So, Gary, how does Christina remember all this information? Christina hasn't trained her memory. She was born this way. We're still trying to find out, well, neuroscientists are still trying to find out how and why some people are born with this gift. And at the moment, yeah. the short answer is they don't really know. Their brains are different, and we know that, and, we're, and, and neuroscientists are still trying to find out why someone like Christina has this extraordinary memory. And do you know how that happens? I just have the ability to retain information due to my identic memory. Due to your identic memory. What do, what do you mean by that when you say identic memory? What does, what does identic, that mean? Identic or photographic memory. I have the ability to remember things. So, Gary, I have heard of the term photographic memory. Is that what Christina has? Yes, she does. But photographic memory is a really overused term. So normally when your mate has a really good memory, you go, oh, my friend Sarah's got this photographic memory. But it's not really a photographic memory. It's just a very good memory because it's actually extremely rare to have a photographic memory. And there's actually a test that you can take to prove that your memory is genuinely photographic. Right. Tell me about this test and who actually decides who has a photographic memory versus just a very good memory. In Australia, the leading place where you can get those tests is the Queensland Brain Institute, and that actually tests this particular type of memory. They work quite closely with the leading brain institute in America on this. Only 60 people, around 60 people in the world, have been verified as having a photographic memory, and the official term for this sort of memory is highly superior autobiographical memory, or HSAM for short. Now, I've explained to you what the HSAM test is. So that's, you know, remember what HSAM stands for? Highly Superior Autobiographical Memory. Do you think you might have one of those? Yeah, I think it's quite possible. You think it's quite possible. Um, and there's a test that you can take to see if that, that is what you have. Would you be interested in taking that test? Yes. You would. And, and for what reason? Because it sounds 
It sounds fun. There is currently only one HSAM in Australia, and that's an identified HSAM. So she has taken the test and has been certified as a HSAM. Um, and her name is Becky Sharrock. What is in this test and what is this process like of being verified as a HSAM? Yeah, so first of all, I don't know much about the final test. Um, bearing in mind, only 60 people in the world um, are identified as HSAM, so it's a very unique test. Um, I do know that they have to take a pre-screening questionnaire um, to get through to the test, and that in itself is quite thorough and rigorous. So, for example, mm. some of the questions they ask are describe in detail your memory of everything that happened exactly one month ago today, six months ago today. Yeah, I think in the pandemic, I'm mixing up what happened in 2020 and 2021 fairly frequently. So (laughs) I would fail at that first hurdle for sure. Me too. I think most of us would. And when they're asking that question, they're asking for more than telling you um, the day of the week, like we know Christina can do. They're asking for details about the weather conditions, what they were like on that day, who you were with, what you did, what sort of clothes you were wearing, what colour they were, that level of detail. Right, it kind of brings real meaning to that idea of photographic memory, really being able to remember every single aspect. I mean, can Christina do that? Yes, she can. What did you do on the 14th of April 2009? I went with Mum to Pound Beach. She was swimming in a rock pool and I went for a walk around the rock pool was slippery and I fell over and grazed my elbow. So it's a bit of a mundane day. And I mean, this sort of thing is difficult to verify. What were you wearing and how old were you? I was 11, just going on to 12. It was, it was like a week before my 12th birthday. And less than two weeks before my 12th birthday. I was just wearing, like, casual clothes and beach shoes. I think they were Crocs. But on another occasion, when I was talking to Christina, I'd throw a date out there and she told me she'd gone to see Finding Nemo on that date. I then went and checked the Australian release date for Finding Nemo and that fitted completely accurately with the day she was describing when she was just a toddler. Bearing in mind, now she's 24 years old. So, you know, we were going back almost 20 years. So being a HSAM is more than just being able to memorise a lot of facts and numbers and being able to recite them as well. Correct. Part of it is this amazing ability to be able to recall more or less every single day um, in great detail that you've been alive. And for Christina, she thinks her memory goes back to when she was about eight months old. When I was a baby and I was in a hospital, it was a very vague memory. I was surrounded by my parents. I was, um, I learned later on that when I was eight months old, I was very sick and I was in the hospital. And I thought this was a memory of when I was born. Mum said it could have been a memory for when I was sick as an eight-month-old. If Christina were to take this test and she wasn't verified as a HSAM, does that mean that she's just put in the other category of regular human with a regular memory? Well, not quite. She could fall into the next category down in neuroscience terms, which is highly average to superior 
It doesn't sound quite as impressive, but it is super impressive. So highly average to superior memory will be by far one of the best in the country still. And these are probably people who have the best memories in their social group and their professional group that they know of. What are some of the key things that might highlight that you are someone with a average to superior memory? What are the traits there? Well, often people in that next rung down, and this is where the nature versus nurture question comes in, with someone like Christina is absolutely nature. She has read that information once or maybe twice, and it just stays there. When you come down to the highly average to superior memory, so that next rung down, you're coming to people who perhaps have trained their memory, so the nurture, and there are certain tricks that they can use. And that's people like you and I who, you know, I'm terrible with names, for example. We have that capability if we want to train our brains to be highly average. And I spoke with a number of people who've done just that. They've trained their brains to have these superior memories and they believe that absolutely anyone can do it. Mm, Tell me about that. Who are these people who have trained their brain? One of the people I spoke with is called Dave Huggings and he has a great memory. I think it's something that I was born with. He was actually featured on SBS The Feed recently. And funny enough, he says he has a good memory, but only for certain things. It has to be things that I'm interested in. So, for example, it didn't really work with all my school subjects. It did with the ones I was interested in. And now he says he mostly uses his memory for party tricks to entertain his friends, family and colleagues. What is a memory party trick? So at Dave's Christmas work do, for example, Dave gets up on stage and he sings every single Christmas number one in the UK since the 1970s. I'll be your long-haired lover from Liverpool, so here it is, Merry Christmas, everybody's having me lonely this Christmas. Without you to hold. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the band? Don't you want me, baby? Don't you want me? Oh! Christmas time. Mistletoe and Do they know it's Christmas time at all? He could also tell me every FA Cup finalist, scorer, and the minute they scored, right back to the 1900s. And that's the thing that struck me about someone like Dave is when they're remembering all of this detail, it sometimes comes down to triviality. Like some of the things you're learning are just pretty trivial. And to someone like me, I have to admit, pretty boring. So, you know, when he was recounting all of these FA Cup, the score, the scorer, the minute they scored, I have to admit, my eyes started to glaze over a little bit. And I think he noticed that. So then he said, okay, I've got another trick for you. And he came and and he came back and he was remembering every single Melbourne Cup winner since the very first winner. And the way he recounts them um, is like he's a horse race commentator. So he does it in that really um, fast horse racing style. And then suddenly my ears pricked up and I was engaged again. So it's Think Big Twos in a row followed by Van der Hum. And then comes Arwen and Hiperno and Belldale Ball is followed by Just a Day. But if you think that's impressive, another person I spoke to is Anastasia Warmer. And she thought herself pi to 1,000 digits. Oof, 
that is a lot. How, how did Anastasia get to a thousand? <laughs> yeah, interestingly, um, she's done a TEDx talk about it. And she was saying a couple of years ago, her memory was actually terrible. Three years ago, if you invited me to a dinner party, let's say 10 people, I wouldn't have remembered the names of nearly anyone around the table. And she read a book about training your memory, so she decided to give it a crack. And she discovered that she was really, really good at it. And now, not only can she remember pi to 1,000 digits, she's also a multiple award-winning Australian memory champion. I'm the first female to hold this title, and I've got several Australian records. Gary, what is a memory championship? I've never heard of it. I hadn't either, so I had to look into it. And, yep, we have memory championships both in Australia um, and then there's a very big one in America. They remember all different things and they've been tested on that memory. And that could be anything from spoken numbers, binary digits, historic and future dates, names, faces, speed numbers, random words. So it depends on which particular category you choose to be tested on and often where you've trained yourself to have that really good memory. So it's like a spelling bee, except for adults with incredible memories. That's exactly what I think it is. Right, so you mentioned that Anastasia trained for this. What what does that training involve? Well, for Anastasia, she is a professional dancer and has danced all her life. So, for example, to memorise the digits of pi, she's created a dance move for every three numbers, every sequence of three numbers, um, and she performs that dance move to remember all of the digits of pi. 3.14159265358979323843 Um, So it's quite a a complex and involved um, process. But what that tells me about Anastasia is if someone is a professional dancer, then I think you've already got quite a good memory. So I'm not Mm. sure how much I trust that Anastasia's memory wasn't great at the start because if you remember choreography, if anyone's ever done a dance class, remembering choreography is a real skill. (laughs) So... uh, I think Anastasia already had that skill and she has blended that with her the, the nurture and the training that she's done in her memory. There's also a, a technique called the memory palace, which is when you um, envisage uh, maybe a house or maybe the street where you grew up and you attach certain random facts onto physical items within that house or on that street. So you might think of your family home and in the lounge room is all the information you need to know about science and each bit of furniture has, um, you know, a different fact about a scientific area. That's kind of what the memory palace is. Is that right? That's exactly right. So your so your old TV that you have might be the number six. And then um, your shag pile carpet that looks really hideous in the 80s might be the number five. It's because the way our memories work is we, we as humans, we're storytellers. So we need to attach story to arbitrary um, and random facts in order to retain them if we don't have the natural gift that someone like Christina has. So Gary, I'm wondering just how valuable and useful these memory skills are in everyday life. Well, you can see how they would be useful, but that's not always the case. So with someone like Dave, it's an element of fun for him and performance, and it's how he gets some validation by going to his Christmas party and performing it. Similarly with Anastasia, she gets some validation from doing her TED Talk or um, winning at the Memory Championships. But with someone like Christina, it isn't always a good thing. So we think of 
someone like Christina's memory as a gift um, and phenomenal and all of these really positive adjectives. But actually, when you talk to people from the Brain Institute of Queensland, they describe it as a condition and um, sometimes even an affliction. And what they say is, um, we, when, when it comes to HSAMs, specifically the HSAMs, we need to stop thinking them, of them as people with really excellent memories and start thinking of, of them instead as people who are really bad at forgetting. Next, how to cope when you can't forget anything, even the bad things. What is that like for Christina, not being able to forget? So, you know, the human mind is supposed to forget. Our mind is supposed to automatically clear things out for us so that new things can come in. So when it comes to things like processing trauma or grief and uh, forgetting times when we might have behaved badly, that's really important. So for someone like Christina or someone like Becky, who are HSAMs, that's not possible. So when you start thinking of it that way, it's really bad at forgetting. Um, It shows you that... Uh, that there are times that torment them and uh, and haunt them. Did you speak to Christina about that? Are there is there a particular memory that she wished that she could forget? Yes, absolutely, there is. There's one particular story that Christina shares about the impact of not forgetting when she was a kid, and of course she remembers the exact day in February when it happened. When I was seven, Friday, twenty fifth, February two thousand five, I was swimming with my mum and. Pearl Beach and I had a squeaky plastic dolphin toy. She was in the water playing with this dolphin toy. So I was, so I was swimming with, I was sinking it for fun and once I sank it, it, I couldn't find it. I was crying, I was very upset. Mama was diving for it but she couldn't find it. And Christina's mum was diving for that dolphin toy, looking for it, but with no luck. And obviously, as a young kid, that's devastating. Um, as a 24-year-old, you would get over it quite quickly. So when you remember it, how does it make you feel now? Now it doesn't bother me as much, but it upset me more when I was a kid. I, I was in primary school then, I was in eternal, it upset me like a year later, and more than a year later. What about when, in more recent years, there's been a particular incident where you might have had an argument or you might have behaved in a way that you kind of regret. Do you, is there any examples that you can give where, where you have found it difficult to forget that kind of incident? Like, when I had arguments and I said something I regret. Do you ever forget those, those things? Um, I still remember them, but I don't necessarily dwell on them. Mm, It would be so hard. I mean, I think most of us have had moments where we've said or done something that we really regret or we're embarrassed by, and part of being able to get over that is just kind of forgetting about it and leaving it in the past. How does Christina move on from these moments when she can't forget about them? Yeah, Christina has, as she's um, got older, Le- just learn not to dwell on it too much. So I think it's something that um, she, if you ask her, she can she can remember times when that she'd rather forget and recount them. I have to think about something else sometimes, concentrate on something else. 
to focus on more positive memories or just think about something entirely not memory-related. Right, so it can have really negative impacts and negative emotions. What does that mean for Christina in her daily life? Does it impact her being able to go about doing regular everyday things? There's definitely... uh, Christina's autism is complex and has um, impacted her in um, trying to find employment. And the good news is that she has now um, found a job. Where are you working, Christina? I'm working as an accountant assistant at Tugrods once a week on a Tuesday. What kind of things do you do? It includes both not limited to receipts, payroll, data entry. And do you use your memory in that job? Yes. I try and memorise numbers. I write them down. What kind of numbers? Like reference numbers and prices of of purchases. She is only working one day a week, though, and that does strike me again. One one of the one of the sharpest minds in Australia, and we can still only find employment for her one day a week. She was telling me how she'd love to work a few more hours a week. She'd love to work part time um, rather than one day a week. She'd, she'd ideally like to work three days a week and use that amazing memory of hers because it really does give her confidence when people tell her how good she is um, at remembering things like accounts in her job. Mm. It strikes me that the reason that this can be seen as a curse is maybe not so much of the individual impact that it has on you, but because the world isn't really built for people like Christina. We put a huge emphasis on social skills in the workplace, don't we? And um, behaving in a certain way. But that is really a, a narrow view of what success looks like in a professional setting. Some workplaces are leading on this, but for many employers, there needs to be, I think, more of a scope to bring any of your talents and all of your talents to the workplace, especially if you are someone who is living with autism. In the case of Christina, there's this phenomenal memory. Not only does Christina have one of the most impressive minds in the country, if not the world, she also has these fascinating interests. So, for example, she loves people's accents, different accents. And I remember she asked me about mine and where I was from. She's genuinely interested in people and she's deeply interested in the world around her. And she'd be such an asset to any workplace. Beyond her memory, she's just an incredible person. How do you feel when you get to show people your memory skills? How does that make you feel? It makes me feel good about myself. And why? Because I can show something, I can show that I'm a unique trait of myself. And what's other people's reaction? Some of them are impressed. Just some of them? I mean, most of them. That was Gary Nunn, a freelance writer for Guardian Australia. You can read Gary's article on what it's like living with a phenomenal memory at theguardian.com, and we've linked that on the full story page as well. This episode was produced by Ellen Lee Vita, Miles Herbert, Karishma Luthria, and Ariel Sadario. Sound design and mixing by Daniel Simo. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Martignoni, Gabrielle Jackson, and me, Laura Murphy Okay, catch you tomorrow.